Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Welcome everyone to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman, helping you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. And we're so happy you're here. Our show is just crushing it in the self-help section. We have now reached the top 1%. Thanks to everybody listening, sharing, reviewing, subscribing, and I just can't thank you all enough. From the bottom of my heart, you are improving the world, helping spread the message that you can achieve your goals and dreams without burnout, without exhaustion, without overwhelm. It doesn't have to be that hard. We get to choose easy. And the person that I have here today is a great example of this. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show, Zach White. Woo! Rebecca, I'm so excited to be here. Nothing sounds more true to me than what you just said about we can choose how we move through this. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's so great you're here. Let me tell my audience a little bit about your wonderful background. So Zach White is a game-changing career coach for engineers, and he helps leaders of top companies around the world achieve success without burnout. He is the CEO of Oasis of Courage, which has proven coaching programs for engineers and technology professionals. He is the host of the top-rated The Happy Engineer podcast, which I was so honored to be a guest on. And he holds a bachelor's and a master's in mechanical engineering. He has worked in, before becoming an engineering coach, he worked in Fortune 200 companies for 10 years. We'll get into his story about how he switched. And he is known as the world's best lifestyle engineer. Again, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Rebecca, it's awesome. And Everybody needs to go listen to your interview on the Happy Engineer podcast. Totally crushed it. And you have tremendous values. Everybody here knows it was awesome. So glad you came on. Oh, thanks so much. So tell us your story. I am so curious. You have two engineering degrees from Midwest colleges, which is awesome because I'm from the Midwest. Top 10 or Big 10. The Big 10. Let's go. Big 10. Yep. (laughs) And you had a 10-year career working as an engineer and something changed, something happened. You had a major paradigm shift where you went Mm -hmm. a whole different route with your life. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you became the happy engineer. 
Yeah, Rebecca, my career story is probably going to sound familiar to you and to a lot of people who've gone through or seen people go through burnout. But I came out of Purdue University with my engineering degree, just like so many of us do. Yeah, we go get a degree. We do the college thing. It's time to go start our career. I was so excited. And I wanted to go prove to everybody that I was as smart as they said I was, that all of the uh, goals and dreams that I had for my life were going to come true. And so I got to work. And the truth is, I really had no idea what I was doing. But I knew one thing, Rebecca. I knew that I could solve any problem by working harder and getting smarter. That was my strategy. It worked my whole life. I did very well in school. And I figured, hey, why why not apply that same strategy in my career? I want to get promotions. I want to make more money. I want to be somebody. So I'm going to just work harder and focus on learning every day. And it sounds great on the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially a Midwestern work ethic, like I was born and raised into. Everything sounded so great. Well, unfortunately, Rebecca, that strategy only took me so far. And eventually you can only put in so much time and energy. And about five years after I graduated, you know, I was married at the time and everything I thought was working until it wasn't. And things started to get hard at home. My marriage started to get you know, really on the rocks and I didn't know how to deal with it. But I knew that I could get to that later. I'm just going to focus on what I need to do at work and you know, we'll figure that out. Well, unfortunately, I came home from a work trip to a note that said, hey, this is not working out and I want a divorce. And just like that, in a moment, all that career success and all that ambition, it didn't matter at all. And I spiraled into a really difficult time of deep burnout, deep depression, deep frustration and, and embarrassment. I was, I was embarrassed, Rebecca. Like, how did this happen? I had, you know, these engineering degrees. I was valedictorian in high school. I was such a, you know, everybody thought I was most likely to succeed in the high school yearbook, right? And here I was a complete failure in my own eyes and wondering, how did I end up here? And coming out of that burnout was when everything shifted for me. But it's so easy to fall into that trap. You, how many years were you married when you found that note? Just over five. And did you have any idea that your wife was unhappy in the marriage? Well, looking back, absolutely. At the time, I probably would have told you everything is fine. You know, one of the things I have come to discover is that we're really good at keeping secrets, not just from other people who love us, but from ourselves. Mm. And that was a huge, huge problem in my life is that I was lying to myself about what was actually going on in my life at that time. So looking back, no question, we were in a bad place well before the divorce happened, but I was unwilling to see that because I was too afraid and I didn't know how to solve it. And I didn't have the courage to face it or share my challenges with anybody else. And I let that anchor pull me all the way down to burnout. So you're depressed, you're burned out. How did you make the shift from being an engineer and being on the corporate America path to investing $85,000 in coaching programs before you decided to be a coach yourself? Like yeah. who invited you to your first coaching program? How did you hear about it? Like how, how do you switch tracks like that? Totally. Well, 
here I am in this complete rock bottom, you know, grinding my face along the ground of rock bottom. And I made a decision in that time, Rebecca, that changed my life forever. I hired my first coach. I was working with a therapist on the grief and the depression and dealing with that from the divorce, but I also wanted to get back on my feet in my career. I still had a desire to be successful, but I knew it had to look different than what I had been doing because that completely bombed. And hiring that coach was the most impactful decision I ever made. I mean, it completely changed the trajectory of my career. I had five promotions in five years. I worked less time. I got more done, more recognition, doubled my income, bigger bonuses. I mean, everything got easy. And people start asking you questions when that happens. When you go from depressed to happy, from burned out to blissfully balanced, people start to wonder what's going on. And I fell in love with coaching, not just being coached, but to coach others. So I started investing in myself, doing coach training programs, going to as many coaching conferences and seminars as I had time and energy and money to attend. And to your point, I invested 85 grand. And since that time, that was just leading up to quitting my job, starting my business, have since invested you know six figures more into myself for personal development because nothing returns greater in your life than investing in yourself. You have an unlimited upside when it comes to return on investment. And so I started doing that and I fell such in love with coaching and I looked around the engineering world that I was living in. And Rebecca, all I saw everywhere I looked were unhappy, burned out engineering leaders everywhere. I said, this is, this is the thing. I didn't know it, but I became an engineer not to be an engineer, but to go serve engineers in a way that only I can because I've been there and I've lived it and I've done that. And so I quit my job. I started this business out of a calling, sense of purpose that this was my my bigger reason to be on the earth. And I will never look back. Of course, I miss engineering doing the work. I'm still an engineer at heart. I'm a nerd and I'm totally proud of it. But I love, love, love coaching these leaders and now have been doing it full time for four years. Now, engineers are very practical. They want the facts. They want to know that their investment is going to yield a certain return. Uh, analyticals, because I've studied different personality types, don't make quick decisions. You're how so right. Do you, how do you get an engineer to invest in your coaching program? Like when they are like, this sounds woo woo, or why do I need this? Like, what would you say to them? to want to invest in themselves mm -hmm. when they're very like, I need the proof. What is my guaranteed return on this investment? Rebecca, the first thing that helps is to show them the science, help mm -hmm. them recognize that the reason coaching works is not just spiritual. It's not just ethereal or woo woo, something that you can't put your head around. Let's talk deep about what's happening in your nervous system. How does the mind really work? What's going on with neurons and, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together in the subconscious mind and how this operates in our DNA. Like we could talk and geek out about the science of why a coaching conversation, while on its surface, it's just a conversation. What's actually happening when you receive that information, when you make a new decision and when you take an action that you've never taken before, how does that transform literally your physiology, 
in a way that shifts your experience and the quality of your life. So, so one way to help anybody make a decision is to speak their language. You know, if you're selling anything, you need to speak the language of your customer. You need to know how do they need to hear the message. So that's the first thing is, you know, let's geek out together. If you're an engineer, we can talk about the science, but beyond that, okay, maybe now they know, they believe in the fact that there's something real here, but the decision comes from one of two places, inspiration or desperation. Mm, that's a good quote. Inspiration or desperation. I love it. The decision to change your life will come from a place of inspiration or a place of desperation, but you will not change your life by riding the middle. Ooh. If you're okay, if everything's fine, you're standing on the fence, life is good. It's kind of rough at times. I'm not happy with everything, but I'm not super upset. I'm just okay. And that is the real trap that engineers are so guilty of. And I think it's true for a lot of us, whether you're in engineering or not. And for me, I'll just tell you my own story, Rebecca. I fell into that trap because I was taught as a kid to be content. You know, don't don't want things that you don't have. Don't don't get all greedy and and going for more all the time. Life's not just about more, 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 more. Um, you know, and and Zach, there's always somebody who has it worse than you. Don't complain. Don't don't be a whiner. You know, your life is good. And and what happened is I was afraid to want more and I was afraid to complain. And so I just trapped myself in the middle. My life is fine. And I lived that way for a long time. Until I burned out completely and was desperate for help. And I changed my life. And then I realized you can make those same powerful changes from in place of inspiration as well, not just desperation. And now I grow and pursue more and I'm developing out of a place of inspiration and vision. I'll tell you, it's way more exciting. But every engineer needs to reach that point. Which is it? Are you inspired to a better life? If so, like you got to buy in. You got to get serious about wanting that better life, or you got to help them feel the pain, help them peel back the layers of it's fine and say, it's not fine. You've been unhappy for five years. You know, your, your health is failing because of so much stress in your life. You're burned out. You hate your job. That's not fine. Yeah. And as a coach, part of my job is to help them be honest with themselves to say, okay, it's not fine. In fact, I really need to make a change. Let's get started. Wow, that's that's great. I love that. Inspiration or desperation. Don't ride the middle. So I know we talk a lot about work-life balance. You make the distinction of whole life balance. What does whole life balance mean to you, Zach? I think it's a subtle but super important distinction, Rebecca, because... Mm -hmm. Work-life balance, people who talk about it mean well. I don't want to insult anybody who has a, a you know, message around work-life balance, but I don't think that's the right model. And when I say model, you know, when I use the phrase work-life balance, what do you picture? What kind of comes into your mind? And for most people, it's, it's kind of like a scale, right? It's on one side is work, and on the other side is life. And what's the goal? Are you trying to make them the same? Are you trying to make life bigger than work? And like, isn't work a part of your life? And so what does that really mean? Are we talking about work and play? And if so, what does that look like? And what I've seen happen is instead of balance, you end up with bipolar. 
<laughs> your, wor your work gets really bad and you just try to party harder on the weekends to make up for it. And you can't make up for bad work that you don't like, that's not fulfilling, that's not aligned with who you are and your purpose and your values and your vision. You can't make up for that by having more fun on nights and weekends. I'm sorry, it doesn't work. It actually, the more extreme that gets, the more chaotic and stressful your life will feel. So I think when we say work-life balance, we fall into the trap of thinking, well, work's not going so good, or I'm not so happy at work, so I need to turn up the dial on my life to make up for that. And that will never yield the kind of blissful balance and abundance that you talk about on this show. It just doesn't. So whole life balance to me is saying, look, there's no one right answer, and there's no static point in your life that you reach where suddenly everything's in perfect balance and don't touch it because it'll it'll stay standing forever. Whole life balance is an active value. It's a constant seeking of rebalancing and reassessing and making new decisions across everything that you value. Your work, your relationships, your health, your faith, you know, your friendships, your hobbies, passions. Vocation and work's just one part of that. It's a yeah. big part but it's only one part. I totally agree. That is the seven pillars of abundance. There's not just two. There's not just, you know, totally financial and social, which is work hard, play hard. There are so many other aspects of life, right? There's spirituality, mm -hmm. there's your fitness, your emotional life, your mental life, romantic life, as well as yeah. social and financial. So I, I totally agree. Whole life balance is a a brilliant way to say it. Now, when you were discovering your first coach, was that a hard decision? Did somebody show you, hey, you know, therapy is not enough. You also need a coach. Did you like find out about it on a podcast? Like how did, how did you come to that decision to, mm -hmm. to enter your first uh, coaching relationship? One word answers that question and it's grace. Okay. Honestly, honestly, Rebecca, I just give God credit for the fact that I was blessed to have the right people enter my life at the time of my greatest need. My therapist was the first to suggest that I look for a coach. I was working with him through the, the grief and the depression. And I brought it up that like, Hey, I'm really struggling with how to think about my career while I'm dealing with all this personal baggage of the divorce. And, you know, I still have to go to work every day and I'm not really sure what to do with that and how to deal with that. And he said, well, have you thought about working with a coach? And so he planted the seed in my mind that that's a good idea. And the same week, Rebecca, a woman who I had tremendous respect for and who I had met at church and I knew, and she worked at the same company as me, she just passed me in the hallway and mentioned that she was a coach. Like, wow. and it, I didn't even know if it didn't make sense. It wasn't even like the conversation should have been about coaching. She just mentioned it. And it was one of those, like, are you kidding me? And She's so like, I just asked how her, how are you? I'm a coach. But more or less, I mean, it wasn't quite like that, but it, it was really out of the blue. And just one of those moments where you can't ignore, okay, this is, this is really wild. And so I asked her, like, Hey, I'm actually kind of, interested in understanding what coaching is. I didn't even really know what coaching meant or, or what we were really talking about. You know, to me, a coach was like my baseball coach. That's the only 
model I understood or paradigm I had for what coaching is. And so she sat down with me and we did a free, you know, 30 minute kind of discovery session together. And it was like the best 30 minutes I'd had in a long, long time. And just immediately said, I like, how do we get more of this? I want to do this and um, started working with her and it was awesome. But again, full, like grace is how it happened. And so I, I can't take any credit for that. I wish it was me, but like, I got to stay humble on that one. I just was blessed that God gave me the right people to speak in and be present at the right time. Wow. That's, that's a great story. So in order for you to hire that first coach, you had to get out of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah. Why is it so important for us to get out of our comfort zone if we want to be the best version of ourselves? There is no growth in your comfort zone. None. And the sooner you come to grips with that, the sooner you can start creating the life of your dreams, the next thing that you desire. You know, if you have a big goal, if you have a vision, a dream for what you want to create in your life, I promise you that it's possible, but only by getting out of your comfort zone. And that was something that this coach who I hired made very clear to me that the process of coaching would mean asking hard questions, uncovering things that probably my ego doesn't want to uncover and taking actions that I'd never taken before and that I may fail at, I may look stupid or you know do something that I'll be embarrassed by or whatever. And if you're not willing to face that discomfort, then don't start the coaching because we won't really get any results from it. And while that was scary on the surface, you know, Rebecca, it also kind of triggered a part of me that said, yeah, that feels true. And, and I'm ready for that. I want that. You know, I want to get out of that comfort zone and go face those fears. I, I had reached a point where that desperation was fueling a willingness to say, you know, this isn't working. So I'll, I'll definitely try <laughs> these other things. But comfort is such a seductive uh, you know, force in our lives. And now I tell my clients, look, your nervous system, it's a really important part of your, your life, but it's wired for survival, mm. not for success. Ooh, survival. Your nervous system is wired for survival, not success. And they're two different and things. Totally different ways of being. And if you're not willing to go against that, that automatic pull towards survival and therefore comfort, you're going to go against that intuition of your your nervous system, that automatic part of you that says, whoa, Rebecca, that's dangerous. Don't do that scary thing. You could die doing that. So it's like, that's old hardware. And, and it's the fact is you're really not in a situation that's unsafe. It's just uncomfortable. How are you getting out of your comfort zone these days? Oh, man, so many ways. So- <laughs> I I do a few things every day to make sure that I'm out of my comfort zone. Some you can plan. Others, you listen for your intuition and you act even when it feels unsupported and uncomfortable. So on the planned side, I'll give you a couple examples. One that I do is physical. Mm -hmm. I expose myself to cold water. You know, I do cold showers and cold water immersion 
to shock my nervous system called plunges. I'll tell you, you never want to do it. You do it. It's a ice mind. Ice? Is this like an ice bath you do? I, I do ice baths when I can. I don't have one in my uh, place where I live. So I just do cold showers. Luckily in Michigan, at least from this time of year <laughs> through the spring, it's very cold. It's plenty cold. Don't worry about There's that. It's a lot of but, cold. Um, yeah, we got plenty of cold. Uh, we also, the lake is only a mile from me. So occasionally we'll do polar plunges in Lake Michigan, oh. uh, which can get quite exciting. But the reason for that is because, again, every single time, it forces me to face something that will be uncomfortable and choose to do it anyway. So it's about mental fitness. It's about building that discipline and that resilience to say, I can do hard things. I do a hard thing every day. When you get into cold water in the morning and it absolutely sucks, but you know it's good for you and you do it anyway, then making that cold call to a person who might be able to help you with growing your business or who might be able to give you some mentorship on building your career it's really not that big a deal. So you right? do cold, cold plunges or cold showers every single day? Every day, every day. Uh, wow. Because again, it's about that, that practice. Yeah. I want to okay. make sure that I'm always doing it. I'll give you another example is um, I'll take something that might normally say it's a, a two hour kind of exercise for me. Um, something for work that usually takes two hours. One thing that I will consistently challenge myself to do is give myself half the time that I normally give myself to do it. And so speed work. at the end, speed work. yeah, exactly. Just say, all right, I, I normally would take two hours. I'm going to give myself one hour and I'm going to bring a full focus to this. And then whatever I finish is what I'm going to share. Sometimes, Rebecca, I get to that end of the hour and I'm not happy with what's there. And the comfort zone in me wants to say, look, give myself the second hour. Let's keep going. But I'll challenge myself to, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go present. I'm going to share what I've got and we're going to move forward. It's very uncomfortable. But that practice starts to help me find my actual edge. It helps me get better. And every now and then you'll have a breakthrough. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I was taking two hours for this. I could do this in an hour every time. And poof, I just created more capacity to either have more fun in my life and more balance or grow my business faster. Um, and then with people, I think one of the areas of our lives where we stay too comfortable is we stay surrounded by the same people all the time. And frankly, a lot of those people, when you take a close look, they're not seeking to build a life that aligns with your vision and they're holding you back. And so I consistently invest time and big money into getting into proximity to people who are playing at a level 10 and 100x what I'm playing at. And actually, as the time we're recording this, right when we're done with this call, I have a four-hour session with a group of coaches of whom I will be the smallest business, the least experienced in the room by far. These are multi-seven-figure coaches. They've built incredible companies. They have huge brands, huge marketing budgets. And I'm, you know, Zach White, I'm still pretty new in this. It's because that makes me face that discomfort. It challenges me to level up. So get into proximity to people who are way further down the road than you are towards your dream. You may not like how it feels at first. Your ego may not like it, but wow, is it going to help you accelerate your life? Wow. So this is like a mastermind with these seven-figure coaches? Yeah. It's it's a uh, – they're all – 
together were receiving coaching from um, an amazing guy named Taki Moore. And, you know, Taki pulled this room together of some of the best coaches in the world. And, you know, it was not a small penny to get into that room. And I barely even qualified to get into that room, but just said, look, if you'll let me in, I'll pay whatever it takes because that's how I can stretch myself and see what's really possible. So get out of the comfort zone. It's a single best thing you can do every day is just ask, what can I do today that would scare the pants off me? What would help me to stretch my comfort zone and get out of that today? Amazing habit. If you ask yourself that every day and don't go to bed until you've done something uncomfortable. I love that. And cold plunges lead to more cold calls. (laughs) There you go. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah, If you're in sales, that's, that should be your motto. Cold plunges lead to more cold calls. Um, so how, how can we shift our energy around mindset? Like everybody has an old story, you could call it a limiting belief, a block, subconscious programming, childhood trauma, whatever you want to call it. How do you help people have breakthroughs around that? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right that we all have it. Yeah. I think it's important to normalize the fact that it does not matter how far into the personal development journey you are on. You and I both, right now as we're talking, are sitting inside of a box that our current mindset allows us to play inside. Mm-hmm. Which is and why until the mastermind. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So like to think that you do a one and done on mindset work is completely ignorant. It's not one and done. It is a lifetime process of continuing to expand and grow and reshape and have breakthrough in your mindset. You're going to have breakthrough in one area this year. You're going to have breakthrough in a whole different area next year. Like it's an always on activity for me. I'll never stop doing mindset work. And I think that's an important thing to normalize, especially for the type of people I coach. They Engineers love knowledge. They love the IQ. And it's it's really easy to say, oh, I read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Oh, I've done some mindset coaching with Rebecca before. Oh, I did some mindset stuff at a yoga retreat one time. I understand all that mindset stuff. I'm good. You're not good. <laughs> all right. That in itself is a mindset and it's limiting you. So to answer your question, how do you help somebody to have breakthrough in their mindset? To me, first of all, it's not a simple question to answer, right? It's, it's, a, it's a real process. This is why we have coaching programs and we spend a lot of time and energy with our clients. If it was as easy as a, you know, one conversation and it just happened that'd be great, but it's rare, especially for somebody with a thick analytical mind, like an engineer, it's really hard to do it in a single conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the way I think about it is first, we have to bump up against the brick wall of the current belief. You got to go find the edge of the current mindset. Mm -hmm. What do you actually believe about this situation? You're frustrated, you're angry, you're stuck, you're lost, you're whatever, fill in the blank. Okay. Let's just begin with awareness of what the heck you currently believe about that thing right now. And for a lot of folks, that's hard. They don't actually have a conscious awareness of what they're thinking. It's in the subconscious. So we got to pull that out. Then we can look at it together. And all I need to do as a coach is get you to crack the door on the possibility that maybe what you believe 
is not true. Mm. Maybe it's not the whole story. What if it's possible that something else could be true? What if more abundance, more balance, more success more in this area where you feel stuck, what if that were possible and those things that you're believing aren't aren't true? What if that's possible? If you can get that engineering leader or anyone to just pause for that one moment, you'll see it on their face. You see it in their body. It's like the door cracks open on a willingness to believe that it's possible. They don't even have to actually believe the new thing yet. Mm -hmm. The breakthrough begins just by cracking that seal. Like, let's just open that door. It's real squeaky because they've never opened that door before. <laughs> and they're kind of scared to step through it. But as soon as the door gets cracked open, that's all we need yeah. to now start allowing something new to grow inside their life. And we take a little action in that direction. We do a little more coaching in that direction. And then we step through that door, take a bolder action. We get out of our comfort zone, align with that new belief. And we start to shift that identity. We start to change that mindset. And next thing you know, it's 90 days later and they have this completely different paradigm about what's possible. And you look back and it's like, wow, how did I ever believe that old thing? <laughs> but the process, you know, it's one step at a time. Yeah, they just, I love that. So to shift your old belief system, it just starts with the willingness to realize, well, maybe this isn't true. Like maybe this is just an old story or an old paradigm. And there's a way to yeah. think of this totally differently. Well, speaking of a new paradigm, I know you have a blueprint for success called the five P's. Tell us about the five P's. As an engineer myself, I am a big fan of systems. And yes. whether you are or not a fan of systems, I'll tell you something that's true is we all operate with a set of systems, spoken or unspoken, known or unknown in our life. And so with our clients, we really focus on not just the knowledge and the awareness, but installing the systems into your approach and the habits and the behaviors that will help you to make these changes permanent, that will help you to create compounding growth over time. And the five Ps is a part of our model and the systems that help us to make those changes in every key area for success in career and life. And I'll read through real quick what they are. Of course, it's a whole 90-day sure. journey of deep coaching to understand all of them. Yeah. But built on that foundation of your mindset, we start with the pillars. It's purpose, priority, productivity, and people. Mm. Purpose, priority, productivity, and people. Purpose. Why are you here? What is your purpose? Why is what you're doing important? If we don't have a compelling why in our lives, then we're gonna continuously struggle with motivation, with drive, with being at our best. We gotta get really clear on what we value, why we value it, and have a, a strong and compelling purpose. Priority is the what? Your vision, your goals. And then how do we balance across all of these things that we want? This is where that whole life balance comes into play. And mm -hmm. here's the news on that, folks. There's no such thing as equal priority. There's only a lack of priority. Ooh. It's, it's not true that everything that. can be number one. How is there <laughs> only a lack of priority? What does that mean? Everybody's got a long to-do list, Rebecca. 
I'm sure you do. I do. The fact is, you and I both are going to go to bed tonight with more things to do than we could get done. So we're making choices all day long on what's most important to do next. Sometimes we're being really intentional with those choices. Sometimes we're not. But what can happen in our mind is we trick ourselves into saying, I've got 50 things and they all need to get done and they're all equally important and I'm overwhelmed and I'm stressed out and it's burning me out because these are all number one. My family's number one. My career is number one. My health is number one. My this is, well, I get it. I understand what you're saying, but here's the truth. In this moment, you can only choose one. You, know, <laughs> you, you, you don't get to do them all at the same time. Yeah. So you're making a choice, which one is most important, whether you know it or not. So there's no such thing as equal priority. There's just a lack of priority, which means you didn't actually choose. You haven't done the hard work and the courageous work of saying this is more important than that. So I'm choosing this. Only a lack of priority. I think that is a great tool to get rid of overwhelm because when we're like, oh my God, I have this and I have that. And I feel pulled in so many different directions. It's stressful and it's overwhelming because exactly. I feel like as achievers, we want to do it all. Yep. So how do we determine in the moment, what is the next step? Mm. You know, the simplest answer to that, there's a lot of ways to build mastery around priority. P- part yeah. of it is that those decisions when you really build these systems into your approach. In a way, Rebecca, for me, that decision's already been made. So this Mm -hmm. afternoon, I don't have to think about what's most important because I already made those decisions on Monday morning before I started my week of what's most important this week. And I made decisions today of what's most important today. So it's already done. But here's a quick framework to think about if you're struggling, if you're overwhelmed right now, and you need to make a decision on what's truly number one priority. There's three different lenses I ask myself. Number one, what is urgent? What's the thing that if I don't do it now, it's gonna be the worst consequence? Urgency, Mm -hmm. that's one lens. The second is importance. Which one's actually the most important? So, you know, the phone is ringing. That's urgent because you'll either answer it now or you'll miss the call. It, it has to happen now or it won't happen, right? You either answer or it goes to voicemail. So it's urgent, but it, it may be a telemarketer. It's not important at all. So just ignore it, right? In, uh, urgency, importance. Here's the third one, significance. Mm. Significance is the question, how much does this matter in the future, in the long run with my vision. So some things have a lasting impact in your life. They matter for a long time and getting them right makes a big difference. And and sometimes it's because it'll free up your time in the future. Great example of this is training one of your employees how to do a task. Maybe it's a task that only takes 10 or 15 minutes. It's easier for you to just do it. But guess what? When you train that employee to do it and it frees up 10 to 15 minutes a day for you every single day, that frees up hours, even days of your life in the future. 
and recovering that time is very significant. So mm -hmm. it may not feel urgent or important right now, but it's really significant because you're buying back your future. That's awesome. Yeah. So those three lenses are ones that I use. And I look at my to-do list and simply say, okay, is there something that's truly urgent here? What's the most important? And is there anything here that has really high significance? And that helps me make my choice. Those are great lenses. Okay, so to go back to the five Ps, we talked about purpose, priority. Let's touch on uh, productivity and people. Yeah, so productivity most people think of how fast can I get things done and how much can I get done? And all I'll tell you for this pillar is that the real key to productivity is not about time management. It really isn't. Um, I've tried really hard, Rebecca, to manage time. And for whatever reason, no matter how hard I try to slow it down or make 26 hours in the day, there keeps on being 24 and it keeps on flowing at the exact same speed it's been flowing at my whole life. I just can't quite seem to manage this time thing. It's just doing whatever it wants to do. Crazy how that works. You can't manage time. You can invest the time you have. What you manage is your energy. Mm. So productivity is all about energy management. And there's a whole set of skills we need to master around energy management. If you come home from work and you have four hours at home before you want to go to bed, you could say, oh, you got so much free time to be productive. But how many people come home from work exhausted, no energy? They're so stressed. They're so burned out because their work is what it is. Yeah, you got time, but you don't have energy. Mm -hmm. So we need to be really intentional about energy management. Then the final pillar of these four across is people, because you're not going to be successful alone. Mm -hmm. It always happens in, in relationship. So we need to have mastery of our social and emotional intelligence, build great relationships, be in proximity to the right people. And that's huge. Now, you're like, Zach, there's only four pillars. I thought you said five Ps. Well, the roof of this house, you can picture a little house, that foundation is your mindset. These four pillars are like the strategies, the tools, the tactics, the things we need to master in our lives to create success. The roof is the playbook. Mm. Strategies and tactics and tools and knowledge and ideas, all of it's great, but knowledge by itself is not power. Whoever told us that only told us half the story. Knowledge is power. That's that's not true. Knowledge is potential power. Implemented knowledge is power. Actionable. You know, when you take action on the knowledge, that's what creates the power. So knowing how to do something versus doing it are two totally different things. And the right. playbook is exactly that. Like you got to get on the court. You got to get on the field of your own life and run the play. You got to do the thing. <laughs> if you, you know, yeah. Rebecca, you... Your podcast is loaded with tips and tactics and strategies and actionable insights. And some people will listen to a hundred episodes and say, oh, I've got it. But if you never actually do it, if you don't run the play, you don't actually change your life. So the playbook is about action. It's about how do we tie it all together and make sure that you're doing what you know. 
you got to do piece. the damn thing. You can't you gotta just do the damn thing. analysis paralysis. And you got if it. You are a longtime listener of the podcast and you want to take action or you feel stuck, reach out and schedule a breakthrough call because there's a lot of tips and tools and strategies, but you definitely, you get to take action on them. And this is the last question and the theme of the show. How can we achieve more by doing less? Mm. How is that even possible? How is it even possible? So first of all, let's, let's link it back to something we said a moment ago. The first thing we need to do is be willing to accept the idea that it's possible. If you're not willing to believe that you can, in fact, have more success, more abundance, more joy, more love without working harder, without burning yourself into the ground, if you're not willing to believe that idea, I got bad news for you. You're not going to experience it. So step one, I challenge you to accept the idea that you can have more and do less. Baby step one. Step two, there's a truth, not an idea. This is like proven, scientific, researched. Everybody will tell you this is true in life. It's called the 80-20 rule or the Pareto principle. In the world around you, there are certain things that have a disproportionate positive impact on results than other things. The rule says this, and it's rough. It's not always perfectly 80-20. It's a principle, right? 20% of the actions create 80% of the results. So in your life right now, 20% of what you're doing is creating 80% of your income, 80% of your happiness, 80% of your health mm. is coming from just 20% of the things that you do to create that result. If you want to get more by doing less, the most important thing you can do is find out clearly which 20% of the things I'm doing is the 20% that has the 80% effect and focus your energy on doing more of those things. Mm. And just imagine if you That's could take... Good all your time and energy and funnel it into the activities that consistently produce the biggest results. You're going to expand and expand and expand what's possible. And here's the best part. It just keeps renewing and refreshing. It's always true. At any moment in time, this law is still true. What is the just thing that gets going. the most results you enjoy doing the least? Ooh, <laughs> yeah, this is a great question. What if the thing that gets you the most results, you enjoy doing the least? Like so, for me, for me, for example, the thing that gets me the most results is going back and forth in the DMs. And I don't enjoy that, but I know that that gets me the most results. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a super good question. So, you know, first thing I would get curious about is, well, what is it about that, that you don't enjoy? And let's understand, are there options? Are there ways to create more purpose, more enjoyment, more pleasure in doing it? How could we make the DM something you look forward to? That's a curious question. But let's say, Zach, it isn't. I, I just really don't want to do it. Okay, cool. Then let's get outside the box. Do you have to do it? Can we hire someone and delegate that? Give that to yeah. someone else to do and let them create the results for you? Or in some cases, maybe we just need to change the strategy. 
you know, if you're doing something that creates a good result, the result I want is money, let's say, more clients, more money, more impact in the world. Those are all good things, but there's lots of ways to create more money, more impact and more results. So maybe in this instance, we would say, let's get outside that box altogether and play a different game. Let's go change the rules, yeah. you know? And so I think in the short term, you know, we may have to do the best to optimize something that's not your favorite thing. We all do things we don't love at times, yeah. but for me, right. I'm just relentless to say, all right, I'll do it for now to get, you know, keep things moving, but I'm not going to settle for letting my life be filled with things that I don't enjoy. So I'm either going to delegate and outsource that. I'm going to change the approach. I'm, you know, that's, that's what I'm focused on in the meantime. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Well, this has been incredible. You have given us so much value here at the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. How can we find you online and stay in touch with you so we can keep learning from you, Zach? Rebecca, I really appreciate that. Before I share that, I'm going to double down on what you said a moment ago, that if anyone listening to this has that nudge, that little urge inside them that they need to take action on anything that's been said, success loves speed. So go out to Rebecca's show notes, click the freaking link and book a call with her right away. Trust that intuition. Do it now. Do it now. Don't wait because you're going to wait. You're going to get on with life and you're going to fall right back into your comfort zone. So just do it. All right. And Rebecca didn't ask me to say that. I've just, I know exactly how much she can help you. And I want you to go out and book that call right away. Listen to your intuition. Success loves speed. And if you want more of these types of conversations, the best place to find me is at the Happy Engineer podcast. And you don't have to be an engineer to get value from it. Of course, most people who listen are in engineering and technology. And if you know anybody who's in that space that might be interested, send them over. So wherever you're listening right now to this incredible show, just jump over and search the Happy Engineer. Give me a follow, have a, a listen to the show. All the ways to connect with me are there in the notes, or you can go to thehappyengineerpodcast.com and find us that way. Thank you so much, Zach, for the shout out. I really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening to another amazing episode of the Balanced, Beautiful and Abundant Show, where we are taking you from burned out to balanced, beautiful and abundant. Stay tuned for another amazing guest next week. And until we meet again, remember... Keep your vibe high and magnetize. Hey guys, if you're struggling with online dating and just sick and tired of swiping right, if you're just not meeting the right people, or maybe you're lonely and dreading going through another holiday season single, then I have great news. I am opening my Manifest Your Soulmate eight-week class for enrollment so you can find your life partner before the holidays. Just go to the Linktree link in the show notes to schedule your Manifest Love call to learn more, and I can't wait to learn more about how I can help you find your true love for once and for all. If I can do it, I know I can help you.